hello everyone and welcome to um, this uh, this latest uh, podcast in the series that have been put together for the Ask About Asthma campaign from Healthy London Partnership. Um, today we'll be talking about um, children's asthma and the role that community pharmacy has to play in that. Um, my name's Oliver Anglin, I'm a GP, I'm the clinical lead for children for North Central London and also I'm the chair of the London Asthma Leadership and Innovation Group. And today for this uh, conversation I'm joined by Bipin Patel, uh, pharmacy colleague. So um, yeah, just um, uh, Bipin, would you like to just introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Hello listeners, I am uh, Bipin Patel. I'm a community pharmacist uh, working in Bexley Heath. I've been there for well over 35 years and uh, fully integrated with the local population. And uh, working with young children gives me a lot of delight. And asthma is one of the subjects I think that um, is quite important to me. Thanks. Um, thanks for that, Bipin. And um, uh, it's been a been an interesting, hectic time with um, um, with coronavirus and lockdown. How's how's your experience of that been? Corona and lockdown. Well, it has taught us a few things. Um, I. I uh, I needed to do something with my shed for a long time. The roof was coming <laughs> off, so I ended up re-roofing the shed and putting a new floor on there. But I had lots of other things to do, but unfortunately that, that's about all I managed to do, partly because obviously I think with a lot of the frontline staff who are working near enough full time. So although you were hoping to get some more time during the lockdown period, there wasn't sufficient time to do anything else other than just your day-to-day activities and then recover and recharge the batteries for the next day or the next week oh fantastic yeah the uh the, sh- the shed roofing i think that was my um one of my <laughs> one of one of the things that i just uh, i discovered i was able to do over yeah. over that period well i'm really grateful that you've um you've um joined us today a bit pin what's your you know what's your interest in it how did you you know why why is it that you know you you personally have a bit of an interest in this area Asthma, I mean, if if you're really honest with ourselves, asthma is a condition where people don't need to suffer. It's a preventable thing. And really, if you're a pharmacist, you're there to help patients look after themselves. And and asthma is one condition where if we do everything right, the patient should have a normal life and they should be able to manage things without any difficulty. It shouldn't impede in their day-to-day activities. And, And if we start at a young age, in, in, when they're teenagers or they're the parents themselves, then they're fully educated about their condition symptoms and they know how to look after themselves. When I first started working, I had an elderly gentleman who used to come in and he used to say to me, he said, son, he said, if there's one thing I could give to, to the younger generation is not to smoke. Because when he smoked, he's, I mean, obviously he developed lung problems and he, he just could hardly walk. And I used things like that to try and enforce the message about some of the preventable causes of asthma and how to how to make sure that people don't worsen their symptoms. And obviously smoking is, is we all know is well tied in with, with the with that worsening of symptoms of asthma. What do you see as the, the kind of role that, that community pharmacy can play um, in, in in sort of controlling children's asthma and supporting supporting families? I mean pharmacists have a key role with, with asthmatic patients, especially well all asthmatic patients. And I think one of the key roles is about educating the patient and in, in the younger children and adults is to educate the parents as well. 
about the symptoms of asthma, but first and foremost, it's a preventable disease and they do not need to suffer with the symptoms of asthma. And that is a key message. If we can get that message across to the, to the child or, or the young person and the parent, that whatever they suffer with, they, do not, they should not need to suffer with any of those symptoms. And to empower them to say, if you have got any symptoms, then we need to review your symptoms, we need to review your, uh, your treatment and see how we can improve it so that you do not suffer from them. And that is one of the key messages, I think, that we need as pharmacists to make sure the, the, the patients have. Uh, but once you've managed to do that, the other things, they, the other ways you can improve is obviously the, is to make sure that when they're first put on any inhalers or when the doctor prescribes them initially, is to, is to provide them with a new medicine service, um, is to make sure that they're properly shown how to use the inhaler, making sure the device is appropriate, uh, and actually to, to, to tell them when to use it, how to use it, how often to use it, you know, whether it's regular use or whether it's intermittent use or whether it's a when required use. So making sure, and unfortunately, a lot of this takes time. You cannot give them all the information in one go. And this is where the, the pharmacist is, is at the heart of, the, of, of, of making sure we look after asthmatic disease. We see them more often than the GP, our GP colleagues. We, if we don't see them, we see their parents. We see... And we see more of them than the GP ever does. The GP probably sees them once a year, or if they have a review every twice, you know, possibly twice. We check their technique, reinforce the technique. Um, and again, if it's a new thing, to make sure that when they come in, just ask them how they're getting on, um, making sure that the device that's been offered is appropriate. Something else that we can look at is to, in due time, obviously wouldn't be initially, is to make sure that they have a personalized asthma action plan. Um, and all of these things are things that need to be in place, but they can't all go down in one, one hit. It has to be over a period of time. It's interesting that that, that point around the multiple visits, um, you know, is a, I guess is, um, it's not something I'd considered before. As soon as you state it, it just seems so obvious to me, um, you know, that I, I see my, my, my asthmatic patient once, maybe twice a year for a review. And as you said, if they exacerbate, but, you know, typically you might see them four times a year to pick up inhalers or, or potentially more, depending on how frequent that script is. Yeah. Um, so it's really, it's a good, it's a good reminder for me, I think of the, you know, of, of the importance and that, that kind of contact that you, that you, that you described that, that kind of valuable role. And I think, um, also, again, hearing you talking about awareness, it has been a bit of a, a, a kind of theme that's cropped up in some of the other um, conversations that, um, that we've been having for, for these podcasts um, uh, of, of, of awareness of symptoms. Um, and it's remarkable um, to what extent parents and children will tolerate some degree of symptoms because they just assume that that's just asthma. You know, yeah. oh, I can't, you know, I can't run as far as my friends because I've got asthma. Or, you know, uh, I, I cough every evening before I go to bed, but that's just, that's just my asthma. Um, and, uh, and I think it's, it, it's just so important to hear, you know, you describing that as well. The, the, yeah. the, 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 just that very simple message of like, you don't need to suffer. Yeah. You know, if, if, you've, if you've got symptoms, then something should be done about it. And with, the, um, with the other stuff, I'm wondering whether, you know the, the the kind of role 
for pharmacy. So you mentioned all these other different bits and pieces, other things I was that, that came to my mind were, um, and I'm sure you were thinking of these as well, um, you know, kind of space to use, for example. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, making sure that the, the spacer that we, is obviously to make sure that initially that they're all offered a spacer, they all know how to use a spacer, and to make sure that space is appropriate for them. So that they, they know how to use it, they feel comfortable about it. I mean, historic, historically, most places used to have a volumatic. Now there are lots of other devices that are in place, which are more patient friendly. They find it easier to carry around. Um, so to make sure that they've, they, know, they know how to use those things and actually they use them. Because unfortunately, when you see an asthmatic on the TV or in, on the movies, all they do is they stand there with the inhaler and and jab it twice and do things like that, which is totally wrong. And that gives the wrong message. And you often see some of the older patients when they come into your pharmacy, when you see them walking down the high street, if they're not well, they get the inhaler out of the pocket and a couple of doses in one go and then, and that's the end of it. And, and it's trying to say to them that that's not the way to do it. You know, if you need to do it, you need to do one at a time, give yourself a break, you know, let the inhaler recharge and then do it again after about 15, 20 seconds. So you get the maximum benefit. Something that really does help or would help pharmacists to improve um, patients there, which I should have mentioned earlier, is sometimes the, the, the clarity or the lack of clarity with the diagnosis of a younger person sometimes. And sometimes they're not fully diagnosed as asthmatics. You often get them coming to you and say, oh, my GP said I only need to use it as and when I need to. And perhaps there's something there, some work, a piece of work there that we can look at because I think you're either an asthmatic or you're not an asthmatic. And I know for young, very young ones, it's difficult to diagnose until they're a little bit older, but it's just to make sure that the patient knows that they're asthmatic. And then the message that we as pharmacists give is the same message as what our GP colleagues do, because you know, if, if the message is different, then it, it doesn't work because they're gonna say, well, the pharmacist is one thing, doctor says one thing, I don't know what to do. Yeah, I think uh, agreed agreed with that 100%. And, um... It's the um, it's the communication flows, I think, to some extent. I also see. Um, uh, I wonder what your thoughts are, if ever you've looked at this yourself, around um, uh, salbutamol overuse. Yeah, so, so that will be something that will be, you know, improving. There will be obviously the, the, there's a the, there was a quality payment scheme where that was one of the criteria to ensure that if you patients are using more than six inhalers, six blue inhalers, salbutamol inhalers, compared to their um, brown inhalers, and obviously we need to highlight that because obviously they're not using it correctly. But it also means that their symptoms are not well controlled, hence they're just going to the reliever each time rather than the preventer. So to enforce the message, and with the younger children, it's easier to pick that up and they can develop a good habit of making sure they use it regularly. But a good audit of, of each time when they come in is to see what their usage is. And you quite often, quite often you find that um, you wouldn't even need to do an audit because if they get a prescription with the blue and a brown inhaler, they often might say, oh, I don't want the brown one, I only want the blue one. And that's a, that's a good, that's a good um, indicator to you that perhaps they're not using things as they should be. Um, and another way a pharmacist um, can actually help with improving or looking after the, the, the patient is quite often patients may run out of the inhalers 
and it often happens at weekends. You find that they, 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 they've forgotten the inhaler or lost it or whatever, and they run out of it. Well, there's 111, NHS 111. They can be signposted to that, and then things can be arranged or they can be in possession of an inhaler through the, through the system, and everything is then recorded, and the GP is also notified, so everything is there, rather than doing an emergency supply, and nobody knows about the emergency supply other than having a, a local record in your pharmacy. So if you use a system that's in place and everyone is aware, the GP is notified, the patient knows that they've received an inhaler, you've got a record of it, and everything does get recorded properly. So there's an audit trail of what's happening, but that, that also helps the, the GP colleague to realize that, oh, Johnny's having, a, he had an x-ray inhaler last month and he's had an x-ray inhaler this month, so perhaps there's something not quite right with his symptoms or his treatment plan, do we need to review it? You know, so it should be a little red flag if you get a GP notification of a, an emergency supply to look at them and say, did we, did we not issue the inhaler when we should have or did we not give him enough or is a patient's condition worsening and he's using more of it? So it, it's, it's, a, it's another way of um, identifying a poor, poor control. Mm. And do you think, because um, I know you're, you know, this is a, a, a sort of interest um, for you, Bipin. Do you, do you think this is something that's shared um, by, uh, by community pharmacists more broadly, a, a, a kind of interest in, in being more involved in, in improving outcomes and improving children's asthma? I think that there is an interest, but obviously a lot of it is sometimes anything that we do is a personal interest. You know, you either have a, something that motivates you to do it because, if you know, we all have different fortes. Some people are interested in cardiovascular, some people are interested in skeletal muscular, you know, or diabetes or endocrinology, all different things. So, but I think to try and get people more engaged in improving patient care, sometimes, you know, is to give them proper education, to educate them, to make sure that the pharmacist is fully informed of the local guidelines, to make sure that there are integration meetings with, with both colleagues at the same time, so they're fully aware of what's going on. Also, perhaps to have a, a risk register, which they can share, the GP colleagues can share with the local pharmacist of patients that they want to specifically monitor and make sure that, they, that they're looked after well. Um, so th those sort of things are something that will um, motivate the, the GP pharmacy, but also a GP, sorry, my local pharmacy colleagues, but also to have an incentive scheme of some sort, something that incentivizes them to actually perform better. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be money, but an, an incentive, all of us, all of us um, work better when there's an incentive there, and it, it, whatever it, it is, but an incentive scheme of some sort to try and encourage them to do things. And you often find that you do get engagement. And there's obviously going to be some that don't want to engage, which is understandable. You know, we have that in all professions. But, you know, if you're a pharmacist, you're there to look after your patients. And this is something that you can do. And you can see uh, marked improvement in control of symptoms and uh, patient's condition. Mm. And do you see it as, um, what are your thoughts on, you know, kind of... Um... So this sliding scale involvement, as it were, Bepin, you know, this is the, um, you know, at a, a kind of one end of the spectrum, 
um, uh, full detailed asthma reviews, etc., being being done in in um, in pharmacy by um, an appropriately trained um, qualified pharmacist. You know, somebody who had a qualification in children's asthma or training, or accredited training in children's asthma. Um, then on the other end of the the spectrum, the very basic of like you know. A kind of standard that if a child has ordered their uh, the different pharmacist flags that a child's picked up their sixth salbutamol inhaler in the last you know three months that there's a, an obligation to call primary care and, and flag it um because i think uh it, it, is it, is it, is is that an, an an approach that we kind of expect the minimum of everybody and then there's the optional additional is that is is that something that's kind of possible I think that's that is definitely a way forward to improve care because if you think about it, we can't be good at everything, but we need to have a basic knowledge of certain things that we need to do. And obviously over usage of inhalers is, is a key indicator of poor control and all pharmacies should be able to do that. You should you don't need any training on that. We should be able to do it without without any training. But I. I, I can see a role of a specialist pharmacist, a respiratory pharmacist, and perhaps we have with, with, the, with, with the advent of primary care networks is to have try and try and have a, a local network of one or two respiratory pharmacists. So if you have a patient who is not well controlled or whatever, we have a protocol in place and then all the pharmacists will just signpost him to the primary care pharmacist who will then take over the care of it or the risk or, or the specialist who will then take over the care with it. In conjunction with the, with the GP practice that they work with, so yes, I think there's definitely a we need to have a, a spectrum of pharmacies with abilities, so that you know nobody's left out, but they all have a basic level of activity which they can expect at any pharmacy, and then if things are not right, they can then be signposted to somewhere else. But all of these things, obviously, as I said earlier, seem to work if we have a proper network going out there, uh, a proper network where pharmacies are integrated with GP practices and unfortunately historically pharmacy has never been integrated with primary care it's everything is primary care and then pharmacy is an add-on to it but having uh, access to the same records is key to trying to make sure that we look after them right so it's kind of you know was going to be one of the you know the the my follow-on question was going to be what are in in your view what are the things that we need to do to try and integrate um pharmacy into the into the health system so uh yeah so access to that shared record um seems very sensible are there any anything you know any other um sort of suggestions or ideas that you would like to see so obviously i think we were hoping that the primary care networks would be up and running and there'd be something going on there but obviously the pandemic has put paid to most of that at the moment but once the primary care networks are up and running, I think there will probably will be a little bit more integration, uh, a little bit more team working going on because it's going to be fairly local, you know, a few pharmacies with two or three doctor surgeries or possibly four. So you'll get to know your colleagues a bit more and that possibly will give the GP colleagues a bit more confidence on the abilities of, of the pharmacy colleagues because quite a lot of it is about having confidence because when you share your patient with somebody else, you want to make sure as a GP that they're going to be looked after and that sometimes only comes with time because you know all right I've got the right qualifications but you do you think whether I can do the job right or not and you know you have the same with practice you know colleagues in your same practice you know you sometimes have hesitations about referring one patient to somebody else because 
you're not sure if they're fairly new to the practice, but it's with time that you have confidence. And the only way you can do that is if if we if we're meeting regularly and exchanging ideas and probably having continuing education meetings together, then you know that the messages and everything going through is going to be about the same thing. Do you think it, it is just about relationships? Are there any other kind of blocks that have any other reasons why why pharmacy hasn't been drawn in more closely in the past? I, I think quite often you find that some things are asked of in isolation. And I think sometimes a lot of services in pharmacy are are, are not part of a integrated a complete package of services with the GPs. Some schemes are just launched ad hoc with that an awful lot of thought given to it. And I think perhaps a concerted effort to try and improve the, the understanding of all pharmacies and everyone within primary care of how we should be looking at us asthma patients and saying this is what we need to do with asthma patients and have a, 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 a signposting between pharmacies and GPs, GPs and pharmacies. So you know, if you have a patient there, you feel that needs support, you say, say, Oliver, you can signpost him to your local pharmacy and say, right, Pippin, I want you to look after him for the next six months. We want to keep an eye on him because he's not well. We've had three um, acute exacerbations. He's been admitted to urgent care. He's, he's, had a, he's been admitted to hospital. He's been there for two or three days. We want to make sure we look after him and things like that. And that will improve the care. And if we're really honest, I think in, in any GP practice, there are certain patients that are frequent flyers. And if we look after them, you will find that things do tend to improve because that will improve the overall care of the other patients with there as well. So it is all about just, I think it's about communication, but also making sure that the pharmacists feel confident about what they need to do. Um, and they're valued at what they're doing. So it feels like, um, you know, the, the, the value of um the, those ideas around drawing pharmacy in and, sh and sharing uh, sharing knowledge are, are kind of key here as well. And I think that's going to be sort of food for food for thought for everybody who's listening um, at whatever strategic level, whether at PCN or, or, or kind of l larger, wider CCG regional level, etc. Um, and important to, for all of us, I think, to, to consider that. Um, and just, uh, I suppose, as a for for thinking thinking more just recently around kind of covid and coronavirus is have there been any changes in the way pharmacy has had to um deliver services or how they found their role changing for children with asthma during this period so the, the covid and covid-19 obviously has a slightly has had some impact on treatment of patients partly because obviously we weren't seeing them often um depending on some of the patients, they may be sending third parties or they're sending care or somebody to pick up their stuff. We probably were not aware or probably they're using um, volunteers, different things. So that is one side of it where we're not seeing the patient as often as we used to. The other thing is that when we do see the patient, a lot of patients are now reluctant to stand around for too long to, to, to be given some of the knowledge. They're in and out or they say, well, and unfortunately, it, I'm not sure whether you've come across it, but most people now, if they have to wait in the pharmacy, they say, I'll wait outside. And one of the other reasons that has impacted on patient care is um, some of the patients are now accessing their services online. So you don't see them. So you, you, you've lost a few patients because they're getting their stuff online and everything delivered to their front door. And, and that, I think, is a retrograde step for people with long-term conditions because 
you know, if you have an online access, they're not able to offer you an awful lot of support. And quite often with a lot of these things, face-to-face -face interaction is key to making sure that the patient knows what they're doing. I'm sure you would have seen in your practice, Oliver, that you may be getting some negative feedbacks from patients who are not able to have a face-to-face -face consultations because there's a certain cohort of patients that do require a face-to-face -face consultation. And having online services and that does not benefit them. And especially having the medicines delivered online is not something that is beneficial for them. You know, it, it works for some people, but quite a lot where we need to monitor and keep an eye on them, they need to be tied in with a local practice, a local pharmacy, so that there is some interaction between the two to keep sure, make sure that they're looked after. A retrograde step regarding care is we often get patients saying, oh, I, don't, I wanted to see my GP, I couldn't see him. You know, what do I do here? And again, access to records would be something, you know, if, if you couldn't see the GP, if there's something on there, we could say, oh, look, this is what your doctor would like you to do. These are the things on the journal. So you can follow them and, and, and do what we need to do. And and really just going back, the, going back a question. It's, a, a, you know, again, a really interesting point that, you know, that you raised that, um, you know, there's real, there's real value in um, the flexibility of remote access and the, the kind of different changes that we're seeing rapidly um, occurring and certainly finding in, in my experience in, in practice that um, the people, there's you know, a significant proportion of people are really valuing the, this kind of remote online sort of shift. Um, and I suppose it's really important that um, that we consider what we're losing as a result of that and, and not necessarily say, oh, well, you know, therefore this is a bad thing, but, but how do we incorporate the value added from the old system? Yeah. Into into this kind of new ways new ways of doing things, and again, something I guess really um, really important for all of us to to consider as we as we move forward. Um, you know, how do we how do we keep that value in the face of these changes? Uh, so, Bipin, for for certain other long term conditions, I know um, pharmacy has a significant role in administering um, flu vaccine. Now, obviously, for the child population, that doesn't really come into it. Pharmacists aren't actually, you know, actually giving the vaccine to children. Um, but is there a role for pharmacy um, around that, do you think, for, for, ch for child asthmatics? There is definitely a role around flu vaccines for pharmacists and also for children, although we don't administer them. But I think the, the role for pharmacists to ensure that if you have an asthmatic patient, how old they are, that they realize the benefit of having a flu vaccine. The flu vaccine is to protect them against the triggers of asthma. You know, and if we can get that message across and ensure that they have the flu vaccine as early as they can when the season starts, and that's going to stop them having asthma symptoms later on in, the, in during the winter months. And it's to dispel that move, myth about flu vaccine does not give you the flu because the flu vaccine does not have any flu virus in it. And it's to let them know categorically that, you know, if you had that 50 years ago, it does not work. It is not what we do now. There is no flu virus in the flu vaccine. Admittedly, for the very young ones, they have a live virus. But obviously, the amount of is very tiny that it's not going to make any significant difference to a healthy child. They will not suffer with the flu. They might get a slight runny nose, etc., but they're not going to suffer with the flu. But it's just to make sure that they get the message about the flu vaccine, the importance of the flu vaccine and the benefit of having that. Yeah, agreed, agreed. 
uh, to, to to finish off a bit and then what's your vision for the future and what's the what are the the kind of things that you would like to to you know to see uh, to see changing um uh, specifically around children's asthma let's keep it focused <laughs> <laughs> i get i gather that was the question yeah i think with with children's asthma the vision i have is that once the diagnosis has been made by the gp we should be fully empowered to look after them and they should they will only need to see you once a year or whenever you say at a time at a time when we've agreed for a review all other times their care should be and we should be looking after them pharmacy should be looking after them we look after them for their supply of medication but we should also be looking after everything else to do with their asthma they should they should feel the first protocol for asthmatic in fact, the first protocol for any person with long-term conditions should be should be their pharmacist, and we need to have protocols in place, agreements in place to say, right, Oliver's signed them off. That's it. You go to the pharmacist, and that's it. You don't need to see them again, and everything is done. But again, obviously, signposting is one, but obviously, access to the information and patient record is the other thing that we need to arrange, and and that can be done. It doesn't have to be done on a national level. It can be done as a pilot locally. There are I I do know of GP practices that have assigned re, um, access to the records for local pharmacies from the from the pharmacy system using the N3 connection. So it is something that can be done at a smaller scale to see how it works and to improve it. But all we should be looking at is improving the patient journey at the end of the day and the patient's health. And if we can look after those two things, then the rest of it can fall in place. If we put the patient at the heart of it and say, right, this is what the patient needs, it's not what I want to do as a GP or what I want to do as a pharmacist. This is what the best thing is for the patient. How can we get to that point? And these are the resources where how can we all work together to improve the patient journey? Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for that, Bipin. A great, a great message to come across there. And um yeah, I'd just like to say a big thank you for um for for for, for agreeing to come along and have a conversation today give us some insight and some um some your, your thoughts around around pharmacy and this uh, kind of really essential part it plays in our system for children um for children and young people with with asthma and for their and for their families so yeah once again thank you so much um uh Bipin for for joining us today much appreciated my pleasure oliver so that brings us to the end of uh, this podcast on the role of pharmacy in looking after children and young people with asthma. A really interesting and useful subject, I think, and plenty of food for thought there. Um, just to remind you, there are a number of other podcasts that are available as part of the Ask About Asthma campaign, available from the Healthy London Partnership website, um, which is healthylondon.org, um, and also um, you know, information about that can be found on all of your socials if you follow the hashtag Ask About Asthma. Uh, so other podcasts um, uh, are uh, learning from asthma deaths uh, with Mark Levy. We have one on asthma friendly schools with Karen Rodasano. We have a, a fantastic Ask the Expert um, podcast where we have um, a, a, um, a clinicians answering questions from parents and children about um, about asthma. We have uh, one on tertiary care and the role of tertiary care in asthma and asthma networks with Louise Fleming. Um, we have uh, one on working across the system with the learning from uh, the Tower Hamlets experience. 
Um, and also we have a really interesting one on air quality and what we have learned from COVID with um, Jonathan Gwig. So I'd encourage you to, uh, if you haven't already done so, have a listen to all of those and uh, I will see you on another podcast. Thank you so much for listening.